and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Wednesday, August 18th, 2021. We've got an 18-year-old, a 21-year-old. It's all these big ages. I just need a 30. It needs to be 2030. That doesn't make any sense, though, because if it was 2030, it wouldn't be 2021, and then 21 would be gone, and I don't know what I'm talking about. I was trying to be funny, and I quickly realized I was just being a moron, being a big old dum-dum, big old idiot. That's what I'm good for. But I am, of course, your host, as always. When have I not been your host? This is the podcast hosted by one person, that person being me. Only ever, <laughs> and my name is Mark Kushnez. That is M A R C, which isn't short for Marcus or Marco. Don't ever call me that. That is a big pet peeve of mine, and I probably shouldn't put that out there because now people are going to be calling me Marcus. Nobody's going to do that. People aren't that mean. But uh, yeah, when I was younger, people would call me Marcus. A few people just to irritate me because they knew I didn't like it. Maybe there was a time when. Every mark with a C was short for Marcus, but when my parents named me, I think my father picked my name, and then my mom said, well, if we're going to name them Mark, we might as well name them after the artist Mark Chagall, whose name is just Mark with a C, and not a K, and not short for Marcus. Is his name Marcus Chagall? I don't think so. And then my last name is just a bunch of letters smushed together that when you look at it, you're like, I don't know what the fuck this is. And that's okay. Anywho, I am here to talk about a bunch of games, like always. Those games this week include Jelly Break Deluxe, Action Arcade Wrestling, Fort Triumph, Deadly Days, Crimson Spires, Greek, that is Greek, G-R. <laughs> G-R. Oh, I can't even speak. This is going to be a good episode. G-R-E-A-K colon Memories of Azure. Not the not the Microsoft Cloud platform or whatever. That's what the, the Microsoft Cloud thing is, right? Azure. A-Z-U-R-E. This is A-Z-U-R. No E. Sans the E. There's no San here and no E either. But there is an E at Xbox, right? Or no, he retired. I think maybe he went on a huge long sabbatical and then he's like, I'm done for good. And now he just tweets about stuff. I think. I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't pay attention. Also, card eclism. And then last but not least, Yonder, the Cloud Catcher Chronicles. Two of these games, spoilers, are games I played a long time ago. I believe both on the Switch. And when I booted them up, I was like, these seem awfully familiar. And yeah, one of those, I'll tell you when I get to it, I'm actually going to play for Attack the Backlog. And it'll be the game I probably play after I wrap up Just Cause 3, which is what I'm currently playing now. And if you'd like to watch me play Just Cause 3 and watch me despise every freaking second of it at this point, I'm really not enjoying my time with it. Uh, you can go over to twitch.tv slash pxsausage and watch me play over there. But after I finish that, I think I'm going to play this other game that I'll get to when I get to. And then maybe right after that, I'll follow it up with Hades. Hades is definitely on the docket for sooner rather than later. But when 
that sooner is, I'm not sure. Annie, who, I don't have to poo, but I want to talk to you about these games. So let's start with Jelly Break Deluxe. This is a 3D platformer where you, or with a friend, control these two different jelly creatures. They are of two different colors, green and orange, and if you are playing by yourself, you control both of them, but you don't control them simultaneously or anything crazy like that. You're not controlling them both with the individual analog sticks or anything that makes it a bit more mind-bending and hard to handle. If you're playing by yourself, one is just plopped on top of the other one, and you'll have platforms of the two different colors, and you have to be that specific color to be able to stand on top of it. So there'll be instances where you are jumping between platforms of various colors and you're switching on the fly. You use one of the bumpers to switch between them. And I'm playing all of these on Xbox. Yes, all of these are on Xbox. My Switch is, in addition to the the Joy-Con drift, giving me some problems. And yeah, I might have to look into uh, dealing with that. And then my... PS5, I just, I constantly forget that I have it. That's not true. I know I have it. I just don't ever feel motivated to turn it on. Anywho, back to Jelly Break Deluxe. If you're playing by yourself, the two characters plopped on top of each other. You switch between them uh, with one of the bumpers. And it's also got a twin stick shooter aspect to it. So you'll be coming up against enemies and whatnot who you can defeat with your unlimited ammo bullets that shoot uh, not that far. The range isn't that great, but it's good enough to deal with enemies who are coming at you. And I think there might be a mild bit of pushback when enemies attack you. They'll still make some progress towards you, but you are able to push them back a little bit with each bullet enough so that you'll probably be able to kill all of them before they can ever reach you. And if not, you just jump around the environment and build up some space again. And that's that's pretty much it. You're tasked to across, I think, 16 main levels and then a handful of bonus levels that unlock when you save jellies that are in each level. I believe each regular level has two jellies that are caged up that you have to break. They're also like panes of glass and whatnot that you can, man, there's something wrong with my voice right now. and It's bad. I feel like my throat is like super uncomfortable right now. Anywho, there are panes of glass that you break by switching between the characters. It does like a little spin attack thing, but I don't think that will actually damage enemies. I think the the bullets are the only way to damage enemies. And that's pretty much it. The level design is alright, but it's a very, very easy game. It's a bit buggy. I had a point where I tried to break a locked up jelly out of its cage, and I guess the game did not like me jumping and switching in that particular location because it just flung me into nothing i was outside of the entire level and it kept because when you fall off of the environment fall to your death quote unquote to your death it'll bring you back and lift you in the air so that you can slightly adjust where you fall 
and, and, and land back in the environment, but it just kept lifting me up outside of the world in this no man's land, and I kept dying and dying and dying. I had to restart the entire level. I couldn't restart it at a checkpoint or anything like that. I just had to restart the whole level, which was annoying because these levels can be kind of meaty. Uh, but at that point, I realized that there's not much you really have to do or need to do or even will probably want to do in the levels outside of saving those jellies. You have these coins and whatever that you collect that will give you extra lives, but you won't need those extra lives. It is a very, very easy game. And I can't speak to it in co-op, because I didn't try that. But as a single-player 3D platformer, it's fine. Super easy, super simple, cute. Some minor bugs here and there, but it's all right. Nothing super special, though. Nothing I would go out of my way to recommend or say, you, you really need to play this. But if you see it, and you think it looks interesting, or you are enticed for whatever reason, it's worth picking up. Because it's a, a solid little 3D platformer. It's just nothing special. Then Action Arcade Wrestling is an old-school arcade wrestler, as one might expect from the fact that arcade is in the title, and wrestling is in its title as well. And it harkens back to... Those, the, the one it reminds me of most, because this is just the wrestling game I think of from that era, is Saturday Night Slam Masters, except it doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't control as well, I just don't, I don't like the way it looks. There is probably the, the most interesting part of it, because the controls are somewhat Com not complex, but there is a bit of depth there, more than I was expecting from an arcade thing. You have regular grapples, strong grapples, different attacks there. You have different points of attack, depending on where they are, if they're on the ground. Which is like all standard stuff, I guess, but it, it, it was a bit more in-depth than I was expecting there. But visually, it has this cel-shady aesthetic that I'm not overly fond of. And... The matches are, so the AI is kind of stupid and not that fun to fight against. The modes aren't all that interesting because I think it's just it's like 1v1, 2v2, 3v3, 4v4, 5v5, and a Royal Rumble type of thing. But there's nothing super crazy like ladder matches or table matches or any stuff like that, which I guess makes sense because this is, more inspired by those older games, which are, were much more slimmed down, much more simple, and lacking of all the crazy variety that later wrestling games would have, as wrestling in the real world got all crazy and kooky. But the most interesting part of action arcade wrestling is the creation side, because there, there are... User-created downloads in the form of characters, wrestlers, and rings. And this stuff isn't built within the game. Because when I saw some of them, or at least when I saw one of them, I was like, how the fuck did somebody make this in a character creator tool? Because it's, it's not even a humanoid thing. It is a big blob. It is a big ghost. It is a giant boo from Mario. And it looks like one. 
It doesn't have legs and arms like a human. It's not a, a human painted white or something. It is just a fucking boo. And it's weird. I played it once, and while funny, it's hard to tell where your hitboxes are and all that kind of jazz, so it's not a viable option if you want to actually be competitive. But then people have created Shredder, some real wrestlers like The Rock and whatnot. No Shawn Michaels. They had Brett the Hitman Hart. I think they had two versions of him. They had Razor Ramon. They had Doink the Clown, right? Doink is the tall, normal one. They had that one. And a few other ones. They also had some character from Marvel or some shit. They had some comic book character. There weren't that many characters, surprisingly. Maybe it's because more were deleted. I don't know. Because I don't know what the moderation is like. But the way these things are created are via a web thing or a program you download on your computer. But it's not within the game itself. So it all happens on their website or whatever, and then you download it via there through their servers or whatnot. Somebody also created a Saturday Night Slam Masters ring that you could download. And that was the the aspect of the game where I got the most joy out of. I had fun looking at what creations existed, downloading the ones I cared about. So, of course, I got Shredder, and then I got the Boo because that was just weird. I'm going to download the Rock. There were a few others that I also checked out, but I don't remember what they were. But then I played a few matches, and I was like, yeah, I don't really enjoy this. And I moved on to Fort Triumph, which is a Fire emblem not XCOM, like, you know, a tactics game in the vein of Fire Emblem and those types of games where you're thrown into these tiny spaces, you fight against enemies, you have your action points that allow you to do moves or to move in the environment and attack the enemies and whatnot. Fantasy themed. And it's fine. It's very easy. It definitely feels like a good starter tactics game. A good introductory tactics game. It does some interesting things with the environment and the way you can interact with both the environment and characters with one another so you can kick enemies into other enemies that will do damage and also stun them and if they're stunned they can't attack you the next turn with some of your characters you'll be able to attack parts of the environment like a tree and have it topple over on top of an enemy which could be a good strategy because i think that may also stun them while doing damage you can move giant rocks and put them on enemies. So there, there are a lot of ways that you can interact with the environment. Of course, your placement and location, height, that all comes into play as well. But it's a, it's a pretty simple and straightforward tactics game with a pleasant enough art style. And yeah, it's, it's fine. Nothing special. But a good introductory game. Good for the young ones. Good for somebody who wants to dip their toes in the tactics genre or wants to try it out. They have four different difficulty levels and the ability to turn permadeath on or off. It's on by default, and the default level is normal. But you can turn on easy and turn off permadeath, and it'll be even easier. So worth checking out if you uh, 
like tactics games and want something that's a little bit more easy and breezy. Deadly Days is the first of the games I played years ago, or at least a year ago, on, I believe, the Switch. And this is a survival base management type of game where you are controlling this group of people who are trying to stop the spread of this what is effectively a zombie infection that stemmed from this fast food joint or whatever their burgers and so you are trying to go from burger joint to burger joint to find the hub to find the home base or whatever of the the zombies of the infection to find where it started to prevent it from getting worse and evolving and all this stuff and what you do is you set out on missions to various locations to collect loot and food and whatnot so that you can continue to survive while trying to achieve your ultimate goal of stopping this affection from spreading anymore you have to worry about food because everyone in your group will eat one between each night. You also use food to level up your characters, but then you don't want to level them up too much to the point where you use up all your food leveling up and then you don't have enough to feed them because then that's not going to be good. And when you go off on these missions, it controls like an RTS where you don't have direct control over your characters. So you're not moving them with the analog stick. You are moving an on-screen cursor, and then you click to tell them to go here. You can hold the button, and it'll have them constantly following where the cursor is. And you can also tell them to attack a specific location by pressing, I think, one of the triggers, or they will just attack automatically if you're not telling them. And I find that the more direct movement, holding it and trailing them or telling them where to go works pretty well but it's best to just let them attack freely i find that telling them where to attack really doesn't do any good i don't think it hinders them more or makes them perform worse but i don't think it makes them perform any better so i wouldn't recommend doing that but when you go into these areas you have a certain amount of time to collect whatever loot you can find before getting back to your school bus and going back to your base. During the day, zombies are pretty weak and there's not that many of them, so you don't have to worry at that point. But when night comes around, that's when I don't know if the zombies get more powerful, but they do become significantly more plentiful. There will be a lot more of them and they'll be extra aggressive. They might be a little bit faster. They probably do a little bit more damage, but it's at that point where you have to say, okay, how much do I want to risk getting this loot and potentially losing my life? Because if I lose my life, I'm just dead. You're not going to start over anything. That character is just going to be dead for good. And is it worth it? And I would say that in almost every case, it's not worth it. When night comes around, unless you are at the end or near the end of looting a location, just get the hell out of there. Don't keep exploring. Just get out of there. Because when night rolls in, it's not bad at first, but it quickly becomes overwhelming. And the thing I don't like about it is that when night comes, it basically is just get the hell out of there. That's that's the real strategy. I don't feel like there's a strong risk-reward 
system there because I feel like if you do stay, and, and this may change depending on the weapons you have and if you have a better loadout, but I feel like, from what I've played at least, that no matter what I'm bringing with me, ultimately I'm just going to get overwhelmed because they're just going to throw so many zombies at me. But it's a it's a fun little game of its ilk. I think if you like games with a lot of managing this and that, managing resources and groups of characters, leveling them up, finding the best loadout for them, collecting loot, using that loot, improving your characters. It's got a, a lot of nice loops in it, and the gameplay is... For what it is, solid. I prefer games where I have direct control. I'm not overly fond of RTS games and games of that ilk. If I want to play a strategy game, I prefer turn-based. That's why I love games like Into the Breach or even Fort Triumph and, and, and those types of games. But for what it is, I think Deadly Days is pretty, pretty good. And uh, I'd recommend checking it out if it sounds at all interesting. And Crimson Spires is a visual novel with a bit of first-person adventuring, exploration, murder, crime, investigating, kind of, but all that is really shallow and probably shouldn't have even been in there. So the, the story of Crimson Spires is that you play as this lady who is an FBI agent and when going off to do whatever mission you were on, you get a call that something happened with a transport of a prisoner whose name I can't remember right now, but he is a serial killer and a very dangerous one. You go to search the wreckage and you find that everyone's dead, but the serial killer is missing. He comes about, there was also one other surviving officer who uh, helps you for a brief period of time. But then during this whole kerfuffle, these giant crimson spires come out of the ground and surround you in a big circle. And they create some kind of force field locking you into this place. The other cop that was with you tries to get through, tries to figure out what's going on, and immediately gets decapitated by whatever invisible laser is between all these different spires. So fast forward however long, and you are now the sheriff of this small town because it's surrounded this small town in some rural part of the United States. And you're the sheriff because all the other cops and officers tried to figure out a way to deal with these spires and they all died. So you're the only authority figure left. And there are vampires in this world as well. And there's just a, a lot of mystery going on. Romance as well, which I I thought maybe wouldn't fit as well. But I, I think the romance meshes well with the murder mysteries happening. The spire mysteries happening. And, and everything going on in this world. The, the writing is not too bad. And the voice acting is... Better than expected. It's nothing amazing, but it's solid. Uh, some of them sound pretty good, if I'm being honest. 
One of them, I, I think the serial killer even sounds like somebody I've heard in actual anime dubs, which may or may not be the case. But it's a a solid visual novel. As somebody who really doesn't care about visual novels, what I played of it, like four hours or something, five, four or five hours, I liked it. I think it's kind of funny when choices happen because they make such a big deal out of it. They don't happen that often, but when they do, it's just like, boom, boom. It's like the Inception thing where it's like, boom, and then on the screen, it says choice, and it lingers for like two seconds, three seconds, and then you have a choice, which is just like a dialogue thing. It's not like a big choice. Sometimes there are more significant choices, like the first choice you have is to shoot at the serial killer or not, because he's holding that cop who got his head cut off hostage. And I, I shot at him, which surprised everyone. Grazed him on the cheek. Then he hid behind him, so I couldn't shoot at him again. And it's a, it's a not too shabby. The art is fine. Nothing super crazy. I mean, it's, it's pretty basic. Whatever art. It's, it's not stylized or special in any way where it's like, oh man, this really stands out. This is eye-catching. But it, it's it's... Good enough. The the in game stuff though, when you're in the three D space walking around in first person, then the game kind of looks janky. Then it looks rough. Then the production values are like, yeah, this doesn't look that great. And like I said, those sections are seldom enough that they aren't really a problem or anything. They're just they're weird in the fact that I I like they didn't really add anything to the game. Should have just been more of a traditional graphic novel. Then. Greek Memories of Azure is a side-scrolling action platformer with a really beautiful art style that is reminiscent of games from the Behemoth. So the studio that did Alien Hominid, Castle Crashers, and I think something else. They also did Eats or whatever, right? But there was something else after Castle Crashers. But it looks like their games. It is not the Behemoth who made this but it, it looks of that same vein. And you are playing this humanoid-like creature, but you're not humans. You're like these white things. And I know I'm a white thing. I have a white thing, and I am a white thing. But you do a bit of fighting in the beginning area, then you are not unconscious or something. I don't remember. The story did nothing to grab me. When you wake up in this town... And then you are tasked with various missions. You want to help out the scouts. You want to help them with this pirate ship. Not this pirate ship, but just the ship they're building. Or you want to learn how to cook these foods. So you have to go and do all these tasks in the world. And I think the game controls well. It's pretty responsive. And it feels good to play. It looks good. I like looking at it while playing it. But the lack of any kind of map makes exploring some of the areas mildly frustrating because it's easy to just get lost in these spaces and it's also easy to go off in an area that you're not actually supposed to be in yet or have nothing to do there and just continue exploring it deeper and deeper and deeper while not knowing the entire time that you're actually accomplishing nothing and you're just wasting your time which has happened to me 
you only are able to save at seldom specific save points. And if you die between them, you are reset to those save points, which can be frustrating. And yeah, the, the thing about it is that I find it so unbelievably easy. And it's because I think while the platform feels pretty good and the comet feels good, I guess, the comet also is very easy to cheese. I don't think this is the way it's supposed to work or the way they want you to play. But I found that with the enemies who are all kind of boring, there's no hit detection if you run into them, which is very nice and it's key to this strategy. What I discovered is that pretty much every enemy, you can just run past them and attack when you're right on top of them, do damage. They won't attack you in that time span. And even if they try to attack you, I'm pretty sure attacking them resets their animations and all that stuff. And you just run back and forth past them and attacking them while you're right on top of them because you'll overlap with them. And this strategy worked all the time with every enemy. Some enemies are more prone to running away from you, especially the ones who are range-based. But then you just jump around and avoid if they throw something at you or shoot something at you. And you still get up on top of them. You do more attacks because they'll probably have more health. But you just do this strategy for everything. Even bosses. The first boss I fought, I destroyed it. and didn't, It didn't get a hit on me. First try. First try, baby. And I was just kind of surprised by how easy the game was to cheese in that sense. Unless that's how they want me to play, I don't know. But it just was surprisingly easy. But there's a store where you can purchase stuff. Crafting side, which is really basic. I, I, I'm sure there are more complex recipes that maybe do more interesting things. But the crafting, cooking was really just here. Here's a pot. Throw three of the same thing in it, and now you'll have some dish. Throw three mushrooms in it, you got mushroom soup. Throw three, I don't know what's in it, now you got a loaf of bread. Throw this crap in it, now you got whatever. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it's very easy. Maybe it'll eventually change and enemies won't be so stupid and prone to breaking in that way. But uh, I liked it, though. I don't want to make it sound like I didn't like it because I feel like maybe I am sounding a bit like that. But I, I really liked it. I had a lot of fun playing it. And I got to a point where I was like, I'm going to take a break after the next save point. But then I just kept playing and playing and playing because I was like, okay, I'm going to keep exploring this area. But like I said, I spent an hour maybe just continuing to move forward and exploring this area. And I was like, I haven't done anything where one of the quests I was on updated in any way. Because usually it'll be collect three of this or do this, kill three of these enemies, whatnot. And I never saw any of that stuff change. I'm like, I don't think there's anything for me where I'm going. But the game never tells you where you should be going or, or gives you any kind of hints in the form of like a map, which would be great, as I mentioned earlier. But I do think it is fun to play.
even though it is easy to cheese and all that, it still feels well as responsive. And that's that's always something that's really important to me, which isn't the case for card clism. At least the, the aspects of it that are Diablo-esque, which are very minimal and not really important. There's not a lot you're doing in those spaces. But this is a game where you are moving through these areas in a very Diablo-esque setup, isometric camera, pull back pretty far, and you're controlling your character. There'll be little bits of loot that you can collect in the area, but you're just moving from fight to fight. And when you get into the fights, it's a card battle in the vein of stuff like Magic the Gathering. But before I get to the, the actual combat, what I mean by the lack of responsiveness in those diablo S bits is that it feels like there's some significant input delay going on where I push my analog stick in a direction and then it takes a second until they move. And when I let go, they keep moving, moving. They keep moving for another second. It's not one-to-one that exact thing where it's a second input delay or something, but it feels off and it feels weird. It feels kind of floaty as well. It doesn't feel good. But like I said, you're really just moving from fight to fight and spending five to 15 seconds in the world in between fights. So it's, it's, the thing is, I don't know why it's even there, why they even have that set up between fights, just have it more, I don't know, simplified. But then the fights are, they're okay, but, and this isn't really fair, it's hard for me not to compare any game that has you partaking in card battles against something like Slay the Spire, which does it so masterfully and has so much strategy tied to it, where Fights can go on for quite a while, and it's exciting, it's thrilling. And in this, every fight I've been in, with how much time I put in a few hours, all the fights go by pretty quickly. And it seems like so much of it is tied to your initial draw, the the four cards you get. So when you start a fight, you have the four cards you are going to be drawing, and you can discard one or all of them if you want. I think you have to at least discard one. But you can discard all of them if you want. And get four new cards. And then you have a certain amount of... They're not action points. But I'm just going to call them action points. Action points. Placement points. Whatever. And these other like orb things. That you use to... Place cards. In your playing space during a fight. And you are collecting these resources that increase your pool as you play more and more so that is something that is constantly building upon itself allowing you to play more cards during a fight play more cards at the same time during a fight and so on and there will be cards that you'll definitely want to keep in your deck early on well just the entire time but as soon as you get them you want to put them in your deck which when they attack, you'll get more of those points back that you can then use to place other cards. And those are really crucial because that resource doesn't replenish on its own during battles. It doesn't replenish after each turn or anything like that. So when you think of something like Slay the Spire, where you have, say, three action points to do your attacks or whatever, to play cards, depending on those points, 
those points replenish after each turn. And of course, you have certain things that allow you to get more over the course of like your next turn or whatever. That's not the case here. You just have this max number, this pool that you get to use during a fight. And you can increase it with these other cards that will regain points when doing damage. So those are really important cards. But it seems like so much of the battles are tied to those cards you have initially. And if they are a good match for the opponents you're fighting, uh, because I've had battles just... Uh, like It was clear right from the beginning that I wasn't going to be able to beat them because I just did not have the cards to pull it off. And it's good that there isn't any kind of real bad aspect of dying, of game-overing. You just are reset to like... It, it seems to checkpoint after each fight or whatever. So you then just restart the, the fight you fought and hopefully you'll get a better draw. And then you can go on and beat him. Then you can take what you learned from your first loss and make it through. But yeah, it's just... The thing I, I, I just didn't like about it is that the fights that do go by so fast because of the way everything's set up so that while there is strategy there in picking who you take out first and what cards you play, the order you play them in, and all that, they still go by so fast, the battles, that it, it, it's hard to get excited or invested in any fight because it'll be over before you know it. Whereas Slay the Spire was just, once you, you start reaching those later levels, fights can go on for a while, and you'll be going back and forth, defending and attacking and depending on your character, maybe building up it so that the enemy is so poisoned that you're able to just do incredible amounts of damage, but you had to build up to that point. There's none of that in Cardclism, at least from what I play, which is a bit disappointing. And then Yonder, the Cloudcatcher Chronicles, is an open-world adventure game, 3D adventure game, that feels very much inspired by Zelda, Breath of the Wild in particular, and this is another one of those games that I played forever ago on either PlayStation or the Switch. And when I booted it up, I'm like, this seems awfully familiar. When I got to the island crash landed, I was like, oh, this is really familiar. And it does the same thing as Breath of the Wild, where you're starting in this little like cave area. And then you go out of the exit, and you see the world, and it's so colorful, and it's so bright. And it's just like, look how beautiful... And expansive this is. And you're like, oh my god, I want to explore this. And I want to explore it. And so that is the game that I'm going to play after Just Cause 3 for Attack the Backlog. So get excited if you want to see something more pleasant and hopefully very delightful. I remember liking what I played of it whenever I played it years ago. Because I think this came out on PC maybe four years ago. And then was on PlayStation three years ago. Switch two years ago. And also was on Xbox One, I guess, which I don't know how I didn't play the, the Xbox One version. Or maybe I do own it. I don't. This is the Xbox Series version because it came out on Series X and S and the PlayStation 5. I'm not sure if that is an independent version or if it is a cross play, cross gen. What is it? What is it called again? 
on Xbox. Smart Delivery. I don't know if it's a Smart Delivery game or if it is two different games. But I, lo- I, I love the look of it. It's from the same studio that did My Time at Porsche, which is a game I wanted to get into, but I hated the way it looked because it was more of a stylized caricature-ish take on humans, whereas this is more toy-like, kind of like those Playmoji figures. I think I'm thinking of the right toys, but it looks very delightful. It's a very delightful-looking game with some nice lighting. That, that's the, the surprising thing there. And one of those things I really like is just when you have a more simple art style that is emphasized by good lighting or other effects and whatnot. I think that's why stuff like Octopath Traveler and whatnot looks so good and Streets of Rage 4. It's because you have more of an old-school aesthetic or this hand-drawn aesthetic, and then you make it pop with modern lighting techniques. I think that that always looks pretty cool. But yeah, that'll be what I play next. So expect a lot more of that game in the near future. You'll be seeing me streaming it for maybe multiple weeks. I don't know how big it is exactly. And then it'll be getting its own Attack the Backlog episode. So there's going to be a lot of Yonder, the Cloudcatcher Chronicles coverage over here on Pixelated Sausage over the next couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, that will do it. For this here episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast, once again, I am Marcus Nez. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast and Attack the Backlog, both of which are available on podcast services across the globe. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, you can watch me stream Mondays through Fridays, 8 p.m. Central to 11 p.m. Central over at twitch.tv slash Sausage. I am currently playing through just cause three hoping to finish it up this week and i'll be playing most likely more apex on friday and then after that i'll start some yonder the cloud catcher chronicles which may 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 be followed by hades and then some ghosts of tsushima so some exciting games in the future get excited that's what i'm saying get excited but then if you'd like to check out the videos i make you can go over to youtube.com slash pixelated sausage. Right now, it's really just Attack the Backlog, but Attack the Backlog is a, a great show to watch in video form, and I highly recommend doing just that. So if you'd like to check out those videos, again, go over to youtube.com slash pixelated sausage, like, subscribe, hit that bell, baby. Do all that jazz. But I, I really do appreciate any support you can throw at the YouTubes. I... Not that I don't like it when people tell me how much they like this video or that video, but when they do and I see that there aren't more likes, I'm like, I I appreciate you telling me how much you like it, but why not show me as well by clicking that like button? Just do it. It's so easy. I don't know why there's always such a difference between views and likes. Is it, is it that hard? Is it that easy to forget that the like button is there? Or do that mean people just not like it? I don't know. I don't know. Anywho, that uh, that's it regarding the YouTube. I was about to say that's it and that's all, but that isn't because I also make art. And if you'd like to check out the art I make, you can go back to the site, pixelatedsausage.com, and if you see something you like, you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you 
fans of the site in general, and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this here episode, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day and week and week and bye.